Welcome to What's the Point, an after-hours podcast series brought to you by Mobus. On today's episode, we're talking about audience targeting, and we're joined by brand strategist Katie Vickery, um, head of brand and strategy, Michelle Kaslam, and head of creative or creative lead, uh, Greg Bryant. And today we're really talking about audience targeting. There are so many different options and tactics available to reach an audience. Um, We want to talk about whether there's value in specific audience targeting or whether there's still a role for mainstream outdoor advertising reaching a really broad section of the population. And our guest today is Shelby, who heads up our brand and strategy team. So Shelby, perhaps you could start by just giving us an introduction to how audience targeting works or the the background behind the the approach or the methodology. Absolutely. I guess going back, you know, many years, it was really difficult to target specific audiences. You know, even if you bought, you know, the central TV slot in Coronation Street, you were getting a certain kind of demographic, but you couldn't be much more specific than that. Um, Now, of course, particularly with digital channels and with the ability to track people behaviourally, you know, really by very close targeted demographics, there's a real ability to to be very, very specific about the people that you want to talk to. And that sounds great because, of course, what advertising and marketing has always been um, concerned about is wastage, about the number of people who will see your your ad who are never going to want a Zimmer frame or, you know, um, some light up trainers. Um, So it's that targeting should make advertising much more effective in that you can pinpoint your audiences and therefore, you know, target your money uh, to the people who are most likely to buy your product. The problem is for lots of marketeers in particular, that means that we have to actually really understand who those target audiences are and profile them effectively. We need to then make sure that we do use the right media to target them. And we also need to adapt our messaging because it might be an actual fact you've got two or three different audiences who are absolutely right for you, but their motivations and their buying behavior is very different. So in the old days, you do an email and you bang it out to your whole database. These days, we're increasingly challenging uh, you know, clients and marketeers say, actually, segment that database. You've got five or six different groups there. That means five or six different emails and potentially different frequencies and different contact strategies. So while I think audience targeting is a fantastic opportunity, my goodness, it's bringing an awful lot of work for marketeers. And therefore, I don't think it's particularly been harnessed to the, the full uh, scope that it possibly could be. That's fantastic. Katie, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think um, I think this day and age, people, if you think about our consumers, you, you're so used to receiving personalised content from brands now. If you do get an email, you expect it to be, you know, dear Katie and, you know, include information that is unique to you. I think that is an expectation that people have now. Where I think there's danger in personalisation, I think that, or, you know, specific targeting, I think Shelby's touched upon it, is that, you know, if we get it wrong, so if you've kind of got your database and you've got buckets of people who are a certain gender and a certain age and a certain job maybe there may be people on that database that you haven't spoken to in two years and so to then send them some content you've got you've got to think about the relationship that you have with those people on that database you're not just sending to a bucket you are sending to to a group of people and I think one thing that always really springs to mind is I think we all received an absolute ton of emails at the beginning of lockdown that was a note from our CEO and it was I, I actually got an email that said dear valued customer <laughs> <laughs> but not valued enough to have a name Katie <laughs> no, dear valued customer so it was not personalized at all but I was apparently a valued customer and I for the life of me can't remember signing up to that email <laughs> yeah. so 
that is actually quite damaging for that brand because I've I've now you know think well you know it's given me kind of a, it's left a bad taste in my mouth that kind of experience with that brand so I think personalization can be really powerful I think targeting and segmentation can be incredibly powerful but it's got to be done carefully and it's got to be done in a smart way I think so often it's very easy to say we've got a database and we know demographic factors about that database but for me the real you know clever targeting and the real challenge is thinking about behavior yes. and thinking about you know what how people act in their day-to-day how they respond to things and i think i think you know segmentation can can be lazy i think it needs to be done with real um, intuitive information so i think that that would be sort of my take on it i don't know what you think greg if you've got anything to add yeah i i agree i think i think there's been a boom over over the years like you said of receiving personalized stuff but the only thing that's personalized on it is the name mm. other than that it's the same content predominantly that everybody else in that database is getting and actually as users we recognize that mm. in a way I'd rather get an email that's not specifically got my name on it if the content's the same as everybody else is getting mm. you know if it's an if it's an offer I want that offer to feel like it's for me for being a customer not for every customer and it's just got my name on it but i do think that it's an interesting one because the way that you can target people has completely changed and, and i've and i've said for a long time and we've said it in conversations i really believe that there should be as much creative thought goes into the channels and the way that you target people as goes into the the concept of the campaign itself there's no point in having a, a great concept and a great campaign and then just giving it to uh, a, a media agency who fires it out in the same way that they fired out the last one or or fired out one for someone else all of that is where you want your agency or agencies to work together to come up with the ideas of how we target these people it it, it should be a brief within itself these are the people we want to hit how do we do that now not just What's the campaign and what does it look like? And, and then go, right, that's great. We've got the we've got the concept, we've got the visual. Now let's resize it for an email. Now let's resize it for a poster. Now let's yeah. resize it for an ad. They might not be the right channels. They might not be the right channels. A- and also, there are so many different channels that we can target people with nowadays that, as you said right at the beginning, you've got, you've got, you can filter it down so much to the point where now I'm seeing ads on TV and I'm thinking, Am I the only one seeing that? Is someone else seeing that? Whereas I remember when I was younger, although it was more generic and less targeted, like you were saying, Shelby, the you know the the centre break of Coronation Street, you're hitting loads of people that you probably don't want to hit. But at the same time, I remember and I can recall ads from when I was young, and I can't do that with ads now. Mm. Because they're so targeted and because everybody saw them. You go into school and everybody would be singing a jingle that was on because although it wasn't for us, it wasn't for us as kids. There were only three or four channels. So everybody saw the same ads and, and brands became famous through that. Those ads became famous through it. And and in a different tactical way, that worked because even though you might not be the target audience, at some point you're going to come into contact with that marketplace and that brand spectrum. And the fame of those brands are what bubbles up to the top. You remember them. I watched a programme the other day. You probably saw it. It was the, the it was a rerun of Britain's favourite chocolate bar. And they'd made a couple of little changes this year. 
But when you were going through, there were at least 30 or 40% of the ads that they showed that everybody knew the jingle for. Yeah. If I said to you a chocolate bar now, you wouldn't know the jingle for it. You wouldn't know what it was. And, and it might not be targeted at you. Even the ones that weren't targeted at you, Ferrero Rocher, for example, wasn't targeted at me in the 90s, but I knew it. And I knew I what think, the ad for it was. I think there I is mean, different, even now there's different sorts of fame. Because again, I saw this week, Specsavers have picked up another award for should have gone to Specsavers. You know, and that is, you talk about fame these days, that's one of the, that and meerkats possibly, you know, a couple of the campaigns that have at, genuinely entered the vernacular and small children will make it that joke in the playground and 90 year old, you know, grannies will make that, that joke. It, because those brands have gone truly mass and have looked for that mass fame. So I think yeah. you still can do it. But I think that at the other side, there's a fame which is, you know, just as strong or possibly even stronger where you're absolutely famous, but only in your target audience. Yeah. You know, and you look at some of that. I mean, youth brands have always done that because they don't want to be for everybody. They only want to be for certain demographics. Yeah. And so we can almost learn from some of those niche brands that are hugely famous for their audiences but completely unknown to others and think, well, actually, whatever I'm producing or trying to sell, I should be trying to do that same sort of thing almost, because why waste my money on, unless you are a spec savers or, a, you know, compare the market, why waste my money on people who, who are outside of my community? But I absolutely agree with Katie. Your community is not B, C1, C2, you know, adults aged 25 to 55 you've got to get more granular than that and you've particularly got to look at behavior because we have some fantastic you know silver surfers and we have some you know some tech resistant teenagers and you've got to look at actually who you're talking to and um, from their their behavior much more than actually the fact that they tick a box for where they live or you know their income i think what you were saying greg and, and also shelby about um about you know fame and you know tv ad jingles etc I think it's, I, I almost think that it's because there are now so many different ways to reach people yeah. that, you know, TV is, is one part of that mix, but there's a real danger that brands can get diluted if you're not, if you don't really communicate the essence of that brand consistently across all channels. You might, you might use them differently. You might, as you said, Greg, use outdoor in a really clever way. I mean, I've, I've talked about Oatly quite a lot on this podcast, but I think they're absolutely amazing. And when they launched in the US, they did these, this fantastic outdoor campaign. Even though they were targeting millennials, they knew that, you know, behaviorally, when people saw big outdoor ads, they, they, it automatically made them think that it was a brand they should know. It's a brand they should trust because it's not a big outdoor ad. It's not, you know, a little social ad that's been served to them. And I do think that's important. But I think the real importance is that if you're going to use those different channels well and you're going to communicate your brand, well across those channels there needs to be an element of that consistency yeah i agree and I, I absolutely support you on the use of outdoor there is data that shows that consumers believe if you if you're on a 48 sheet poster you're a big brand yeah. And on the basis that a 48 sheet poster costs like 300 pounds, I mean, it's the most effective way of saying to consumers, we are a big brand. You might never have heard of us, but you know, it's like having a TV ad. We are a big brand because we have a TV and because we have a 48 sheet poster. And, you know, you can have I, many years ago, we I was you know, trying to target a specific like five key buyers across the country. And so we plotted their journeys to and from work and we bought 48 sheet posters a, along their routes. And we were only targeting one person, you know, because it's a B2B offering. But for that one person, they went, wow, 
that company is a big company because, again, we'd used the media and we targeted, in that case, ridiculously specifically. But, you know, again, you've, 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 you've used the, the, the media for almost kind of shock value as much as for um, its ability to demonstrate, um, you know, the, the size and importance of the brand. So I, I think you mustn't, definitely mustn't um, write off what looks like mass media because used smartly, it can really contribute to very, you know, close targeting. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a huge amount of data on advertising inside a bus and outside a bus. You know, because outside of bus, you're targeting drivers. Inside the bus, you're targeting bus passengers. You know, again, you can really get an, an ad smart again with TV and the whole digitization of TV. You know, there's an awful lot more programs than just Coronation Street these days. You can go right down to people who are interested in, you know, restoring vintage motorbikes and not much else because there are programs and whole channels just uh, for those audiences. So um, I, I think, you know, you mustn't discount media thinking that it's too mass or too expensive, because these days, the great thing about media buying is it's become a lot more granular as well. Particularly for um, some of our clients that we work with, they might have um, small marketing capabilities in-house, they might have really small marketing capabilities now. So I think there's often this real you know, uh, worry that I think partly something you touched on earlier, Shelby, there's a worry that you know, if they want to segment their email database, for example, it's going to be really cumbersome and really difficult and time consuming. And I think it's for me, it's about, you know, working really closely with those people and saying, well, what what time do you have and what are your objectives and who are you trying to target? And then look at the whole whole sphere. You might you might have email, but that a that might not be right for your audience anyway. Don't use it for the sake of it. But also is actually putting 48 sheet a better, you know, putting your efforts into creating that a better use of your time. Yeah. And it can be really simple. I mean, we work a lot with you know messaging matrices where we just draw up, you know, the key messages for each audience. And sometimes the three messages are the same. You just flip the order, you know, so in my P is simple as and just worth trying for those different three segments that you've got on your database, just flip the messages to see which works best for each audience mm -hmm. and learn from that. And then that could be something that could quite quickly. We're always looking with in for incremental wins aren't we incremental improvements an extra few click-throughs an extra few purchases and i think and again make sure you obviously you know um test and measure and try things particularly when you're doing audience specific communications but just the ability to do what you can do within your scope to make it a little bit better and a little bit more focused than it was before and then critically if you are segmenting your database and you have segments that don't respond and don't buy dump them you know, don't keep marketing to people who are not buying from you. So again, you know, the simplest thing you can do with your database of any sort is just is have your kind of top tier customers who are, you know, big fans and repeat buyers, your middle tier where you're there buying occasionally, you're trying to get them to buy more frequently, and your bottom tier who somehow got their way onto your database but haven't bought anything for you from you for five years. Well, don't waste your marketing on those guys you know, give them one last good offer. And if they don't respond, get rid of them. Concentrate where you can make the incremental wins and look at what you're trying to achieve with your different segments. For, for you know, is it is it increasing basket size? Is it two purchases a month rather than one to purchase a month? So think about also the buying behavior, how you might segment that down and therefore how your messaging and your tactics might support that. Because again, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's someone who already knows you, ping them a little, you know, a WhatsApp message, because you don't have to explain who you are, you're just reminding them to go and buy. So again, it's understanding what you're trying to 
the, the, the behavior you're trying to engineer and then think ultimately think about yourself as if you were that consumer what would work for you you know and then and then sort of test that live into the into the market against your base does targeting and having a more defined audience make creative development and deployment easier or harder you can do both um sometimes it can be a challenge because because what you're doing is is with with every step you take in your in your audience you're narrowing the market and therefore narrowing how you can speak to them but at the same time it allows you to to be really clever and do some really lovely things specifically for that audience so it it can be restrictive but also it can really focus as well what's what's sometimes really difficult is is when you, i have a brief and i'm trying to come up with something and i'm spending a lot of the beginning of the project just trying to work out if, if it's so broad and we're trying to target so many people just trying to work out exactly what to say because <clears throat> you can't be really clever and niche with a message because actually then that's alienating 70% of your audience but might be fantastic for 30% of your audience and so sometimes the broadness of, of your audience <clears throat> can be restrictive a bigger audience can be more restrictive because you can say less but you can say it more broadly the flip to that is it can work the other way a really targeted campaign can restrict what you can say to them so it really depends on the message and it depends on what you want to say and and the ideas that start to pop into your head because ideas can pop into your head and you think that's great i can develop that and that can work or you could get a really lovely idea and think oh, it doesn't work that would work for a, for a broader audience but for this one it doesn't and then you can spend a bit of time trying to make it work and shape it <clears throat> but yeah i mean it it can it can it can work either way it really can depending on depending on as I say, what starts to pop in and what starts to flow through your brain when you start to think about it. And I think we've all seen campaigns that just feel vanilla. You think, well, you know, I can see that that's nicely done or whatever, but it doesn't feel like it's for me and I'm not even certain who it is for. And that, I think, is sometimes when somebody has tried to go, you know, mass and not offend anybody and not, you know, be specific to anybody. And you end up with something that just, you know, to do to do to do a spec service, you know, something that resonates with everybody is actually really difficult. Um, and, and, and I think more more brands fall into the kind of vanilla pot when they're trying to do mass mass market. Whereas for me, I think the more you get under the skin of an audience, the more you understand the motivations and the behaviours, the braver you can be because you really get you know feel as to what's going to resonate. You know, we yeah. often talk, and, in, and you know, this is absolutely as true in B two B. In fact, even more true in B two B than in B two C. I would say because again, if you can really understand that that target audience's uh, motivations and behaviours, and often in B two B, it's you know you there's a fear factor of doing things wrong or making the right wrong purchase or making the wrong decision on a service partner then the more you can understand those motivations then you can address them and really get start to form that feeling of partnership but from your very very first brand message before they've ever come anywhere near the company and i think in that way that can help um, in b2b marketing really form a strong engagement strong bonds as i say before you even enter into a working relationship so whatever we say about b2c audiences i think in b2b is even more important and i think um whenever i write a creative brief for greg or i'm working with greg on a piece of work if if i know that the audience is really broad i just kind of think oh god because <laughs> yeah. it, it makes it makes writing the brief really actually more difficult 
Whereas if you have quite a specific audience, you know you're talking to, I don't know, teenagers or, you know, middle-aged men or what, whatever it is, you can be really specific in, in the single-minded proposition and in your audience insight. And then it, it allows Greg to be really bold and to be quite, you know, specific. And if we know, if we know a lot about the audience and we have that insight, we can be bold and we can be very pointy in our messaging. We don't have to just so it be everything to everyone. So I, th I think, you know, getting, having some sort of consumer targeting in some shape is really, really useful to development creative. Yeah. And I think that is not, as I say, not just the demographic, the purchase behaviour, but look at what's happening to your consumers. Definitely. You know, we've done quite a lot with teenagers and teenagers have had a really fraught few years with exam changes, with lockdown, with educational, you know, things right through to the driving test changing. If we understand that that's what they're being faced by, you know, every day, then you can then you can think about well, I can, you know, I can align my brand to what it genuinely feels like to be that person. Mm -hmm. And the more you can do that, the more you feel like part of their community. And that's what we're trying to build. We're trying to build these kind of, you know, communities. You want to get inside someone's home, inside someone's business, and therefore, you know, you want to become part of their of their community and showing that you're aligned make sure you are genuinely aligned and interestingly again overnight um a lot of obviously uh, brands have come out um in terms of um you know uh, uh you know black lives matter type um communications which is what we're living through this week and already some of them are being criticized that it's just it's just a front you know it's getting on a bandwagon you know you've got to be really careful again yes bring through what is genuinely in your business that is genuinely right for your consumers you know you've, you've got to make sure that those these things are lined up the, the the difficulty with looking at mass different different markets is you might fall into the trap of flipping your brand is one thing to one audience and one thing to another audience and therefore you lose the truth of what the brand actually is and also the believable part of what people are going to see when they see you so I think you've got to start from your brand but then you've got to think about how does it apply genuinely into my audiences and how can I get close to them by understanding um, what they're um, motivated by what they're looking for what their dreams are and also what their concerns are that's why it's so important that we um, look to establish that at a strategic level rather than a tactical level Definitely. so the, 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 the tactics will be informed by that but but yeah. we're not um, you know, we, we talk about a sort of schizophrenic approach if you're all things to all people on different channels. Definitely. Actually, we need we need to have that clarity at the top to you've allow got, us to... You've got to start with your brand because mm. there will be some audiences for whom your brand is never going to be right. And, you know, to, to, to chase after those audiences would be, um, you know, would be a, a, a mistake from both sides because it'll be a waste for you and they will ultimately reject you and you've seen brands have done that where you know they've gone out saying well you know we're a fantastic environmental you know business and within an instant the audience has said oh no you're not and here's the evidence as to why you're not you know you can't kind of whitewash so make sure that you really understand what you have as a brand and the audiences that you can genuinely um align yourselves to um and then and then make sure that you build that that relationship it filters down from that as you say without that brand message or campaign message or whatever it is how can you reach out to your audience other you're doing it in the dark we, we have to remember that that every time we reach out to the audience and every thing we say to the audience has to have a reason it has to have a reason and it has to have an outcome 
Otherwise, there's no point in doing it, which is why I said right at the beginning, it's so important that that the rollout of a campaign or of a brand has as much strategic and creative thought as the development of the brand or the campaign itself. It's a massive part of it. There's no point in having a great campaign if you roll it out badly. There's no point in having a great rollout and a really poor campaign. The, the two things have to work hand in hand and they have to have, they have to have a reason. Every time that we say, right, let's try this or let's try this. Why? What are we trying to achieve? Will that achieve it? If it won't, that's not what we should be doing. It's really important that we always come back to that hook of what is this campaign or brand trying to achieve and will this tactic do it? I think, and I also, I would also say don't um, ignore mass communication because great campaigns are often a combination of, uh, of big brand-led mass communication supported by some really, really smart micro-targeting. So, you know, there are reasons TV and, and outdoor is great, but equally you need to also then be on your social channels, in email, you know, really getting in under the skin to some very kind of on ad smart uh, for TV in terms of getting some, some really tight targeting. And I think that often is a really good uh, combination because ultimately we're trying to, um, to sell, uh, you know, more. And that is a combination still of brand awareness and then targeted tactical you know sales related messaging so you i'm great believe you you can't do one without the other because if you take the brand work away you've got to work you know the, the sales related messaging has got to work super super hard because you're not known but equally in a big brand campaign you have to remind people to still to buy from you so i think again look at look at your audiences segment them but think about where can i lay a level of you know overall brand awareness across my audiences which could be one set of you know joined up messaging and then use my segmentation to get under the skin of, of individual um, motivations as well and that's really important that that decision is made across an entire business and including the business's leadership rather than just by the marketing function it's it's got to go right the way through the uh, the customer experience because again you know right down to how you fulfill those orders how your salesmen treat those contacts you know what your retail um distribution looks like that's all got to be reflected um and lined up against that same that those same segments because you know if you are um, a chocolate bar are you a chocolate bar that's in waitrose or are you in chocolate bar that's in garage forecourts because again the type of audience that you might want to um, you know, to target has to reflect the retail opportunity, you know, and vice versa, the kind of the positioning of the of the product. So all elements of the business, the website experience, the social channels, you know, as I say, the, the retail footprint, the sales strategy, they've all got to tie together and they should all be informed because a great salesman is a great salesman because he can sit across the table from somebody and he he in his mind is segmenting all the time. He's trying to find out which which button is going to, you know, really work for this particular person. And that comes from natural segmentation. And all we're trying to do in marketing is replicate what a really great salesman does in the flesh. Mm. You know, and you think about if you think about, you know, you go into some, you know, go into a, a clothes shop. There'll be, you know, there'll be a couple of good, you know, clothes assistants in there and go, oh, I know, you know, I, I know your person who's I can, I can get you to try that skirt on and then 
you know, reassure you, and then that's what will come with it. And I'm and I'm working with you about the kind. But I'm asking you all the time, where are you going? You know, is this for a night out? Is this for a, what do you like? Do you think it's important that it's comfortable? Do you think it's important that you want to make a statement? That that that's what they're doing. They're segmenting effectively, and then then tying the um, the sales messaging against the motivations of that customer. And in marketing, it's as simple as that. That's all we're trying to do. But we're trying to do it to hundreds or thousands of people rather than one person.